Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, this week we are so excited to have KBJ, Kevin and Bernita Jackson of KBJ Academy here. We're talking about faith, we're talking about basketball, college basketball, high school basketball, and just coaching in general. And then applying those godly biblical aspects to finding new leaders, to working together as a couple, and then what inspires people to really do what they do and then staying obedient on that track and how staying obedient on that track that God has you on can really impact the lives of others. So make sure you stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe to the Muscles of Medicine podcast and leave a like. Hey, and welcome to the Muscles of Medicine podcast with Marin and Tunisia. We combine fitness, health, and motivation with faith to help you become stronger physically and spiritually and become the healthiest version of you. This episode is brought to you by Divine Design Fitness, where we help you build your body and strengthen your faith. Hey, what's up, Muscles and Medicine people? How you doing today? This is Marin Ellis, and I am so excited. I have the truth. I have the truth. The, the <laughs> duo of truth when it comes to basketball coaching, leadership, mentorship. My good friends, Kevin and Bernita Jackson of KBJ Academy. How y'all doing today? Good. How y'all doing? What's up, everybody? <laughs> Man, well... I would tell y'all, hey, you guys know this whole thing of muscles and medicine, this whole thing of divine design fitness is about faith and fitness. And I could not, not to double negative, I could not not have them <laughs> on the show because they truly embody performance, faith, fitness, health, coaching, everything that you would ever want. Um, so I'm really excited to have you guys on the show. So what have you guys been up to? I know you guys are doing, been doing a lot of camps. Um, well, weren't doing a lot of camps because of COVID, <laughs> but things are picking back up for you. So kind of give the audience a, a little bit of background on what you do, KBJ, and how things have been going. Well, with, with KBJ Academy, I mean, well, people that know us, for the audience, uh, we coached college basketball for several years. Uh, I am semi-retired from that. <laughs> My wife has just gotten back on the sidelines of that. So she was retired. Now she's back head coaching and all on the college level. But with KBJ Academy, we travel the country doing basketball clinics and retreats. And we also do consulting um, for basketball organizations as well as teams or individuals. Mm -hmm. Um, here lately, we've been doing a lot of business-to-business -business contracts with basketball, uh, basketball brand names such as, for example, High School All-American Hoops, mm -hmm. doing their one-day showcase cases and two-day camps. And uh, we do team retreats uh, with colleges and university on building a team atmosphere. So we've been doing that. We're podcasters. Uh, we're book authors and we got a lot of stuff going on so yeah but that's what we've been doing and yes it has picked up um very very well um i just finished solidifying some dates here recently on some upcoming showcases and camp invitationals that we got coming up for the summer so we are going to be busy 
Yes, yes, that's a blessing, man. That is yeah, a right, blessing. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't just gloss over. Oh, we're we have a podcast. Oh, we we've got a book. You know, you can't just gloss over that. That's we need to go a little bit deeper. <laughs> so tell us about the podcast. Tell us about the book. Yeah, so we have two podcasts. One of them is called Coffee with KBJ, and we've been recording that now for seven seasons. Um, you can get it on pretty much anywhere. You can get a podcast like iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and it's just motivation for everyday life, but we do talk it through the lens of our experience of being coaches, you know, and so we kind of relate business to sports and some of those similarities between it and how you can build successful teams or just find a way to be productive within your role. So that's kind of coffee with KBJ, just motivation for everyday life. And then you got hoops with KBJ, which is a podcast where we just talk hoops and we might talk anywhere from, you know, the recruiting process to maybe some of our offensive and defensive philosophies. A lot of what KBJ is, is birthed from is from our experience experience of winning and turn around losing programs at the college level and so uh, we share those experiences with people through the podcast and then our book called play college basketball it's available on amazon and it was um, something that we wrote because as we traveled the country and interacted with student athletes and their parents we just realized that there was so much that we needed to kind of fill the gap of of things that they didn't understand and there was only so much we could talk to them about in a conversation. So we wrote the book to kind of put a resource, a practical resource in their hand and take them through step by step on different things they should be doing by each age to help them get ready to go play college basketball. So that part of it has been a blessing. And we've seen tons of student athletes and their parents learn more about the recruiting process as well as just get a real practical plan in place so that they can, you know, make steps towards their goals. So that's, kind of, that's play college basketball. And yeah. uh, we're actually working on trying to revise it post-COVID okay. because the recruiting landscape changed drastically for mm. everybody. Mm. That yeah, is true. That book, uh, just an additional fun fact, that book <laughs> was voted 18 out of 30 for best books about sports for 2021. Really? So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Man, okay. Well, yep. can can I say hallelujah? Amen. <laughs> congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. That's awesome. So if that's the case, I know there's got to be some great testimonials from parents, from athletes, you know, can you share some, some of those? What have you seen? You know, because that, like you said, the recruiting game has changed. And even when I was in high school, yeah. There was days where you had to promote yourself. You had to sell yourself. And a lot of kids didn't know about the NCAA clearinghouse or mm-hmm. you think you're going somewhere and they look at your transcripts and know it's a class you didn't take when you were a, fre- a freshman in high school. And now you got to go to junior, <laughs> junior college after you graduate high school just to go play ball or things like that. Right. That's a huge mm-hmm. part of it. And uh, just kind of knowing that there are other options other than NCAA and then even within the NCAA there's different levels and just informing uh, student athletes, their parents, even some coaches have um, said it's helped them with preparing their teams for the recruitment process. Um, I mean, we've had student athletes that have gone walked through the book 
and literally put a plan in place that have gone and played Division One, Division Two, junior college. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are still doing it even through the junior college level to get re-recruited to the yeah. next level. Right. NAIA, um, we've had one student athlete that reached out to us and is actually going to a prep school first and then going to get re-recruited so that they'll still have four full years to play. Um, but I would say the biggest thing is everybody's journey looks different. Yes. And the more you know about the options that you have, the more informed decision you can make. And so the book really is an opportunity for you to kind of see you know, the big picture and get a good understanding of what works for me mm-hmm. and not trying to always um, maybe follow what somebody else did or even if your parents played at the college level. That was one thing when we were writing it. It's changed drastically when we went through the process. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, it, it just continues to change. And so um, I think that as as people are going through it and reading it, they're seeing that things are uh, different. But at the same time, you know, you just got to have a good understanding so you can navigate it and make a good decision and also be able to not pass up a great opportunity because yeah. you, you weren't aware that this was an option because all you thought that was out there was going to Duke or bust, you know. Right. There's other levels of play. Shout out to Coach Krzyzewski, you know, one yeah. more year. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, uh, Kevin, um, so are you applying for that job? Or, you know. And Duke, come on, Duke. Hey, listen, listen, if – if I if there wasn't rumblings of already having a successor, You're then right. I would definitely go. <laughs> but on that level, they just post that stuff for formalities. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, they, they already, already know, know they'd be hiring. Yeah, but God, <laughs> but God, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but God, yes. So listen, if if the law wants to open that door, listen. Hey, the I'm gonna have to call Pastor Brady and be like, you have to find somewhere to bring the North Campus to uh, Carolinas. You, so. you about to be at the river? You gonna be over? Yeah, I'll be at the river. <laughs> gonna be back at the, at the river, river. Right, right? Yeah, right. So, tell us, like, where did your passion come from? Like, for coaching, for mentoring, where did all that come from? Where did it start? When did you realize, like, hey, this is what we're supposed to do? Shoot, man, that's a great question. I'll answer that question first because honestly, <laughs> I, I didn't want no part of it. Yeah. I didn't want any part of it. Um, every, all, my, Some of my coaches and my teachers, even when I was in college and my teammates, used to be like, man, you're going to be in education. You're going to be a coach and a teacher one day. And I, honestly, I used to be like, man, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Like, I, <laughs> I'm never going to do that. Like, you know, right. I, you know, especially me being an athlete, I had pro dreams and all this other kind of stuff. So I'm like, man, this is what I'm doing. Right. I never thought about it. And one day one of my teammates was like, man, you always are like coaching people. Like you're showing us the plays and you doing scout reports and all of this stuff like that. And my teachers even would make comments toward me in that way in class when mm-hmm. I was in college, but it just didn't dawn on me. So that passion, actually, this one right here was the was the reason why I even got into coaching. Mm-hmm. You know, she was the reason ultimately why I even got into coaching, and then I got passionate about it because she kind of opened that door for me to discover what others 
would say that I just kind of let go over my head and honestly, just like even being a minister, you know, I am, I was the type of person that I just ran from my gifts. Mm -hmm. I never really uh, turned around and be like, Hey, let me look in this mirror. Let me open, open this door. You know what I mean? Until she came along and was like, uh, yeah, you, you should coach. Like you'll be good at it. Like we should do it together and we can be dope at it and all of this stuff. So when it happened, I'm like, oh, okay, shoot. You know what you're talking about right. then. Like, yeah, this was, you should have been open this door, man. So that's where my passion <laughs> kind of came from, honestly. I didn't want no part of it initially, though. Mine started, uh, and I was similar to him. Like, I had coaches, teachers, teammates, all kinds of stuff. Like saying they, so you think you a coach? No, I'm not saying I'm a coach. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, if you come off that screen ready to shoot, you got something, right, you know. Right. <laughs> but I just, I thought I was just being competitive, you know, being a good teammate. Mm. And then when I went and played overseas in Europe, a part of my contract was the coach. Mm. So um, I just did it because you know I had to. But you know, that very first day that I showed up to practice, you know kind of just talking to the the young girls over there and hearing how much they desire to play, come over to play college basketball over here in America. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that opened up my eyes to just the global perspective on the blessing that I had, which was playing college basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, I understand only 3% of high school athletes yeah. here in America get to play but when I went overseas and I realized, whoa, there are like kids in other countries who dream about this. Mm-hmm. You know, I just looked at it a lot differently, really appreciated my time and I got real serious about it. So uh, I went about the business of, you know, trying to figure out what it is I could do to help them and mm-hmm. developing them. And I just felt a different sense of fulfillment when I was coaching versus when I was playing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's because as a player, you know, you kind of reach those peaks of winning and, all this other stuff. But then when you coach, you get to help other people have that same success. Mm. And so um, when I came back to the States, I started coaching at the college level. Two years later, I got the head job, recruited Mr. Jackson. And, um, you know, kind of the rest (laughs) is history. But yeah, it definitely started, you know, just by coaching teammates and not realizing I was coaching them and other people kind of seeing the gift in you Mm -hmm. and being like, hey, you ever thought about coaching? And eventually, you know, purpose found me and God opened up that door and uh, he kind of was, I think, showing me this was something that was in you all along. And she being a little modest, too, by the way, because over there. She was she was winning all kind of trophies and stuff. I mean, they were stacked up. I'm like, you winning all this with that team you coaching? <laughs> we was undefeated yeah. now. Okay. Yeah. Even when and even when she came back to the states when she was coaching the uh, AAU team, right. actually that's when her and I teamed up together. Mm-hmm. Same thing. We was winning all kind of trophies and medals and everything like that. So. She being a little modest when she talking about coaching. Like she jumped in that fire and was like, guy was like, Oh, I'm gonna make you immediate success. Yeah. There you go. Even though you don't even still accept the gift that I got into you. You know? So yeah. yeah. Well it's kinda crazy because there's all kinds of principles in effect in this situation. Mm-hmm. Like when a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing and 
All right now. <laughs> when you find the right wife, because <laughs> that's, that's the thing these days. These days, a lot of people say, "Oh, I, that's the when you find the right wife, when you find the person God put you here for, that's when stuff starts to to happen. Yeah. You know, the cake yeah. starts to bake." <laughs> <laughs> So that's also that's also so she kind of pulled you out of the darkness into the light and said, "Hey, this is, <laughs> absolutely, this man. is your gift." Recruited me like a player, right? Right. Recruited you like a player, and then said, "Sit here, right next to me, and we're yeah. gonna coach these girls." And uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, tell us a little bit more about your camps. You travel. I know you guys travel the country doing camps, working with youth. You know, tell us a little mm-hmm. bit more about that. Well, like I said, we do business-to-business contracts with basketball organizations, and the biggest one and consistent one that we work with is High School All-American Hoops. Mm -hmm. Um, So we do two different – well, actually, it's three different kind of events with them. One is a showcase, which those are usually one-day events, Mm -hmm. um, last of about five hours. Uh, Before COVID, I mean, you have easy 80 to 120 guys Mm – Uh, Since COVID, we've been right around 40 to 45, but the point of emphasis for those events is information as far as marketing uh, tips and concepts of getting recruited and being seen and being evaluated, Mm -hmm. uh, and then getting the film. Um, And then through that film, which uh, a a company called Hoop Brothers Mm -hmm. does all the filming for all of the games. So it's a little bit of information, a little bit of skill work up front, and then it's literally back-to-back-to-back games uh, through the course of the day. And those student-athletes get a chance to purchase film, either highlights or raw game footage, Mm -hmm. uh, whichever they desire, or both, and to use those as a marketing tool along with other information that they can give out to coaches. And then the other part of that, um, they pay guys, high school All-American Hoops pay guys to evaluate these athletes. Mm -hmm. And the evaluation gets sent to the athlete, and it's attached to a database full of about 6,000 college coaches and recruiters around the country. Mm. And that information gets fed to them as well. So that's that event. The other event is a two-day camp. where the emphasis is not games is literally skill and what we call chalk talk chalk talk you know where we're educating in between the skill building of recruiting process fitness and nutrition Mm -hmm. uh what it is to what it really means to be an athlete because a lot of people like yo like i like playing basketball or football or baseball or whatever they don't understand they may uh, they may even understand the sport, but they don't understand being an athlete. Right. What all goes into it completely from a mental and physical standpoint. So we talk about those concepts in between all of the skill stuff. The evaluations are done right there on the spot with the athletes as well. And they also get a copy of that. And that evaluation gets sent to college coaches and recruiters. And the third event that we do uh, a lot with this company are these are three days and those are individual elite camps. So they invite people literally all from around the country who have kind of exploited or excelled from one showcase to another in certain cities. So they pick a city to have these events in, invite everyone down. These these events are usually longer days than the one day showcases, but it's like the camps and the showcase combined into a three day affair. So mm-hmm. that's what we do, man. And uh, 
it, it's a blessing. I mean, we get to talk to countless and countless of mm-hmm. athletes and their parents and educate them on what it is, not only, again, to be an athlete, but how it works. Everybody think it's one cookie-cutter way of playing at the next level right. or getting the opportunity, and it isn't. Right. There, there is not, you know, and we get to also destroy a lot of myths that's okay. out there that people think that they know about the recruiting process and have no idea. So that's what we do, man. Try all around the country. All around the country. <laughs> that's what's up. Now, I guess the, the my next question would be, so when you're at these camps, when you're working with a player and or players, what are the key things that you see? Like what is going to be different from every from every player? But when you guys see a guy or a girl, it's like, they got it. But it's not always like, oh, they got the best crossover, they got the best jumper. Sometimes it's just something you see. Oh. You, you know, talk, talk to about that. Because, uh, you know, even then when it comes to a lot of people have goals. And a lot of people <laughs> compare themselves to the best of the best, saying, I have to be on that level to achieve great success. Which there's right. nothing wrong with that. Competition is fine. Even when it comes to fitness. Oh, I got to look like this or I got to look like that. Not realizing that success for you, like Bernita said, might have a different path. So, mm-hmm. like, what are those things that you will see and be like, they got it. He or she got it. We just got to figure out how to cultivate what we have here raw and then mold right. it into something greater. Right. Yeah. I mean, talent you know, athleticism, those are things you can kind of see when they when they take their first jump. You know, you can mm-hmm. kind of see um, how springy they are. You, you can kind of see a little bit of their buoyancy, you know, just the athletic makeup of them. Um, and then I think the benefit of being there for a full, like, four to five hours is you really get to see do they have a motor. Because anybody can be extremely athletic or just, you know, naturally talented. Or even if you do have skills, you know, being able to apply those skills in a game situation, there's a gap for a lot of kids. Mm -hmm. You know, they're great in drills, but when it's time to do it in a game situation, um, you don't really see it. And so you get to see them over the course of four or five, five hours. Do they know how to play at a high level? And I think the thing that sets those kids who are talented from those kids that are going to play at the next level is the motor, you Mm -hmm. know, do they have a work ethic? Are they coachable? Can they get yelled at and still go out and perform and be a good teammate and high five or, you know, Mm -hmm. they have an attitude because you're addressing them. And, you know, that's kind of what you signed up for. You signed up to get coached. So, Mm -hmm. um, but the motor, in my opinion, is something that you can assess over a longer period of time that you really can't, you can't really tell that as much um, in a shorter event, but um, that that would be what I would say. What would you say? Right. I would say IQ. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. IQ is very, very important, kind of like all the physical stuff from an athleticism standpoint. Mm-hmm. I mean, in transition, you can get a whole bunch of people that you can find and you can throw them the ball up and down the court and they can catch it and go, mm-hmm. you know, go go get buckets, but when that court shrinks yeah. and they have to play half-court basketball right. and execute, that's when you like, hey, 
let me see this IQ. So I'm looking for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm currently reading, well, reading on audio books. Right. This book by uh, Coach John Thompson, uh, the book he wrote before he passed away. And he talked about, he talks a lot about one of his biggest mentors, which is uh, Celtics old coach, old Red Arabang. Mm-hmm. And Red always talks about uh, how he knows if a player is good is what they're doing without the basketball. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, we're the same way. Like, can you move without the ball? Because most basketball players, especially, they just think, oh, it's all about what I do when I got the ball right. in my hand. You know, there's other things. And we always use Clay Thompson as an mm. example. Like, how does he score 36 points and only put the ball on the floor 11 possessions? Right. You know, that's crazy. He's doing something without the basketball, moving off down screens, cross screens, you know, setting screens and popping open and all of this stuff. So IQ stuff like that is what I like to look for to be like, okay, this kid got it. Cause some of the physical stuff of, of the, of the, of the sport, Mm -hmm. that's easy. That could be taught. That could be worked on. Those things could be easily seen, but that IQ stuff, man, it takes a while to really see that. Right. Right. (laughs) Y'all said something. There was two things that really stuck out to me for, and again, you know, we relate everything to faith or, or when it's applicable. But when you said, Oh yeah, everybody can go that fast break. There's, it's easy to find somebody that can push that thing, but when the court shrink, you know that's kind of how life is. Like everybody can sit there and say, "Oh, I want to get in shape or I want to do whatever," but when right. it comes time for things to happen, COVID was a court yeah. shrinking. Everybody want to get in shape when they, oh, the gym's open, we got to go to the yeah. gym. That court shrank up. Yeah. And all you had is two dumbbells and a set of resistance bands. <laughs> what you gonna do with that? Right. What you gotta do? What you about to do with these three things? And the Bible says, yeah. "Use what is in your hand." So, yeah. you, you know that core strength. But the other thing you said was, Red Arback said he could tell by what they do without the ball, mm-hmm. and that's huge. Like that struck a chord with me because God sees everything. Yeah. And yeah. what are you doing? I, when I was in ministry uh, or at a previous church and I was in like the MIT ministers and training group and the piece of advice that stuck out to me from there, they said a preacher, pastor, or anybody that's in ministry should be writing a sermon even if they're not preaching. Like it's a daily thing. You're reading, you get inspired, you write. You should not be writing something because you got to preach next week. You should have this stuff ready to go. What are you doing when you're not called? You know, what are you doing when nobody's watching in fitness? What are you eating when nobody's watching? Right. You know, when you turn the camera off and you done putting up on YouTube, and I'm not saying everybody to eat healthy, but are you only eating salad on YouTube? And then you get off and you eat one of our good friend, (laughs) Kenneth Temple's, Macaroni and cheese. <laughs> exactly right. Which is very tasty, I might add. Those those are my cheat days, y'all. Those are my cheat days. So, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that is a powerful statement. Now, how far do you think talent can get you? A lot of people rely completely on talent. Like Iverson, one of my favorite players of all time, he was like, Practice. We talking about right now. It wasn't saying it wasn't. He wasn't saying he didn't work hard. 
But there's some players who are so gifted, you're like, why do I have to go? But the greats, Kobe, rest in peace, all those guys, they practice. And you were talking about film and coaching. Man, it, I know y'all watched those Kobe when he broke stuff down. Like, that was <laughs> genius. Like, call, players calling him after the game in the playoffs. Like, hey, what did you see? <laughs> so, you know, having that mentorship, having that coaching, how do you guys do or utilize that skill even after a kid comes to your camp? They use it. They get this information. What kind of stuff do you tell them to apply it because they can get it but how do they apply it right well good question because we actually have an example of that right now uh we've been doing some consulting with families and players and we have this one particular player right now where um uh, every couple of weeks uh, her dad has sent us some of her aau games and uh we'll get on a zoom and watch the game with her and kind of break down uh, her thought processes her mannerisms and what she's thinking iq wise on the floor because she plays point guard on her high school team and her aau team so we're uh taking her through mental reps in that and then when that next time we see it that's when we see oh, okay have did you apply uh, what we went over from that last consultation, you know what I mean? And then if not, then, okay, what's the drop off here? You know what I mean? Let's talk about this. Let's unpack this. So um, that's how we go about it. Um, one thing that we always, <laughs> we tell players at those showcases all the time, because a lot of people always want to, hey, let me send you these highlights. Mm -hmm. And we always explain to them, listen, it's called highlights for a reason, right? right? You're just showcasing the good things that you do or whatever, but it's always good to send at least one full game film because Bernita uh, kind of alluded to it earlier. On that full game film, I can see what your bench decor is like. I can see how well you apply information out of timeouts and huddles. If you're running up and down the court looking at Bay and waving at her all <laughs> up in the stands, like all of this stuff, yeah. you may score 25, but are you getting 40 scored on you? Like, like who is? Like, and how are you? Are you a volume scorer or are you more efficient like Kevin Durant? You know, like somebody like that. So all those things could be an assess, you know what I mean? But that's all application from a mental standpoint that players that we, you know, have players recognize within themselves too. Um, kind of like us, we have to apply what we read from the Bible. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? What's our application of what that scripture that we've been uh, repeating all day? You know what I mean? Did did we apply it with from our actions, or was it just words that just hung out there? Right. You know right. what I mean? So yeah. Right. Are you okay, sitting? Are you, you sitting gotta, a bench in the you game? You gotta study film. You know, if you're gonna be an elite athlete, I think that's mm -hmm. the side of it that a lot of people don't see, especially at the college level. And yeah. every time we have a camp or a showcase, even when I, you know, I'm with my teams and different things like that, mm -hmm. I'm always like, how much film do you watch? Yeah. Because you don't have a good understanding of kind of your strengths within the game and things that are working for you versus things that are not. I can tell because you keep doing stuff that's not working mm -hmm. over and over mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. And you can learn that stuff through film by just watching, you know, yourself, your tendencies. 
do you help the momentum of your team shift in a positive way when you're in? Or do things kind of go on a lull when you're in the game? And so film study is, I'm such a huge proponent of it. When we go to those showcases, I tell those guys, listen, I'm all for getting your game film to send to college coaches, but you better study and know thyself. Okay? Because if you... If you worked anything, like I was at the top of everybody's scouting report in college, and right. so I couldn't come out with the same moves week by week. Right. They already knew that if I went two dribbles with the right, I was going to spin. So they had a double team sitting there waiting on me. Right. So then I had to read other options, and then I had to apply in a short amount of time mm-hmm. from Wednesday to Saturday mm-hmm. a different move or mm-hmm. a different pass or a different whatever. And the only way I was able to really – honed that in was watching film. So my coach would have clips for me after every single game, and he would tell me, B, you did this, or you were really efficient in this area. And so you have to get into the analytics of it the higher up you go. Gotcha. Um, and I think that's what NBA guys, you know, analytics is a whole different beast these right. days. Right. But yeah. you see those guys that really get into um, the IQ and the understanding of it all because it becomes easier the more you understand the game, right, um, slows down. Slows down. Yeah. Right, right, and it has to slow down because everybody's fast at that level. Everybody can move. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, absolutely. You have to have those advantages. I remember Jordan in an interview said that he, they were like, "Do you know what you're going to do on the court?" And he was like, "No, I just kind of go with the flow of the game." Yeah, but he knew the game. Like he could tell what other people were going to do before they did it. Yeah, and it wasn't yeah. so much a thinking process; it was a instinct. He knew, Instincts, okay, yep. yeah, it was just very instinctual. And in any athlete remembers this that that zone of like that game, like what's his name was in it last night um, uh, from the Phoenix Suns who took out my Lakers. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, first quarter, I was like, yeah, we're done. Yeah, yeah. No, Devin be cooking, man. He be cooking. He's in that kitchen. So, so, okay, tell me this. For both you guys, what can you tell about an athlete off the court, let's say in the workouts? Mm -hmm. What kind of workouts do you put them through? Because everybody was like, oh, it's on the court. It's the basketball game. That's the game. That's the game. What about those other life skills? or tertiary skills that are required to be successful? Yeah, we do. I mean, with our programs, when we were running them together, and even now, we do a lot of soft skills training because basketball for us is just a safe environment to teach other um, soft skills like how to communicate with the teammate, conflict resolution, time management, Um, you know, just fighting through adversity before we ever let them pick up a basketball, they got to pass conditioning tests. And so there's a lot of running that goes into our programs because we like to press and get up and down. Mm -hmm. Um, and so teaching them how to fight through adversity, but also how to kind of build up the endurance to be able to handle that conditioning test. Um, we also teach them about like their bodies and how to take care of it, the right foods to eat, um, the, the proper stretching techniques listening to your body if something is hurting then go see the trainer so that you can get the proper rehab before it actually tears or anything like that um we we teach them a lot of stuff realistically i would say probably the biggest lesson from my perspective is just teaching them to be a a student of the game and a lifelong learner and if they will keep that posture 
then I think that they'll benefit not just on the court, but, you know, in the classroom and in life. And at some point, the ball stops bouncing for everybody. Yep. So if we can teach you how to be a good teammate, a good communicator, a leader to lead yourself first, um, somebody who who's willing to be accountable and take responsibility for their actions and set goals and actually make steps towards the goals. And if you don't reach them, then reassess, realign, and go again, you know, right. being that persistent person. I think it'll make, uh, you know, not just better people on jobs, but more importantly, better husbands or wives, better parents, mm -hmm. you know, better spouses. I think stuff like that matters. Mm -hmm. And you genuinely learn that being on a team in more of that safe environment. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we've always had a holistic approach to athletes. You know, it, I mean, it's one thing to be a great basketball player or football, baseball, whatever the sport is. But if all you were was a great player who can dribble and score a ball, but you walk out that gym and you're not a good productive citizen in society, then we've done you and your parents a great injustice. Yeah. So we always taught our players about life. And uh, I had a coach ask me, actually, uh, a week ago, it's like, man, y'all were turning around all these programs and doing real well. We're like, what's the juice? <laughs> like, like what, what was y'all doing? Ain't nobody else doing all this. Like, what y'all got going on? I'm like, man, it was always about the person first. Mm -hmm. It never was about basketball first. That's 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 a given. That that's easy. Mm -hmm. We can do that with our eyes closed. It's about you, the person. the person first. And if a lot of coaches will do that first, mm -hmm. I promise you, they will have better relationship with their players. Mm -hmm. They will have better give and take. You know what I mean? It won't be as much pushback. You will always have some sort of pushback mm -hmm. with the program. That's just how it goes. But it will be a smoother transition with that. And you will always, as a coach, be able to keep the main thing the main thing mm -hmm. if you got the person first as well. So none of that other fluff won't get involved or take over you and take your focus away from making them better so they can be a better basketball player. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's just like the whole concept of being available. The best ability is availability. Mm -hmm. That do means not just physical, but emotional, mm -hmm. <laughs> mental, right. like the whole nine yards. So even if, I, if I'm not available as a better person or a good person, now I'm going to be available as a good athlete. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So... We always taught them, hey, sports and life go one and the same. Mm -hmm. Don't think for one second that these concepts don't correlate because they do. Right. And all three of us here play college ball, and they would tell you that. And I think we got it at some point in college, but it's not until you point. hit that. <laughs> at some point, yeah. yeah. And you, get, you got <laughs> like a little bit of it in college. You understood it. But yeah. once, like she's, like Bernita said, the ball stops bouncing for everybody. Once. That ball start that football stops being thrown to you once that ball's not bouncing once you're not getting in the blocks running track there's that mm -hmm. certain point where you're like okay wait a minute like for instance you know I ran track and one of the biggest life lessons that I ever got is from the 400 the 400 is a man's race a woman's race yes it is you are not a immature person <laughs> running a 400 <laughs> because one you know the monkey's jumping on your back. So <laughs> you are not going to outrun the monkey. I don't care how good a shape you're in. But two, <laughs> the psychology, there was a psychology to the 400. And I think that's the first race out of all track. The 100 is straight up. 
A. Yeah. Get out. Get yeah. it. 200, get out, get it, open up that stride. That 400, there's literally four phases, and you have to not run everybody else's race. You run your race. Yeah. Uh-huh. But the thing that I remember the most was you have to actually get out like you're running 100. Yeah. Which, yeah. It's kind of like I, I always go back to this because it's kind of like the kingdom of God, like the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus flipped everything on the Sermon on the Mount, like – you know, blessed are those who are mourning. Blessed are in the, you're like, I'm in a bad place. Like, how can I be blessed? Mm-hmm. And when you think about it, it's like everything's flipped in the kingdom. And we kind of fight against that because our carnal side is like, wait, no, hold back. Don't get out too fast. You know, slow, go out the box slow. Let everybody else waste their energy. And then you pick it up on the end. And by that time, you're so far behind. <laughs> and the monkey's still on your back. Versus yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you go out and you go out hard. And then you use that momentum in the way God designed the body. Mm-hmm. That momentum is actually going to fuel you in the end where you feel like you don't have nothing left. Like literally the 400 right. I could call the faith race. That's what it's yeah. about. You got faith that I'm going to get back around where I started. <laughs> so th- yeah there there is so so much stuff and that's the thing it's like these lessons these tools that we practiced every day every week for four years mm-hmm. and you don't think about 10 15 20 years later how that stuff sticks with you um, yeah yeah so okay yeah. what's the biggest thing coaching has taught you guys so we talked about sports teaching us a lesson what has coaching taught you guys about life man i i would say for me is <laughs> and i've i've been using this a lot lately um our pastor pastor Cheryl brady's book don't miss the moment, mm. like not missing the moment of the reason for this connection that God has allowed to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the biggest thing coaching has taught me for sure, because you never know what that person that you have connected with in that moment needs from you. Mm-hmm. You know, God has already given you the provision for this time. You know, now let's discover what is needed in this moment. So even when I'm out on the road and I not tell those kids all the time, listen, I don't have to know you 15, 16, 17, 18, some of y'all 19, 20, 21 mm-hmm. years of your life to care about you. You're living, you're breathing, and I have been allowed to connect with you today. I care. Mm-hmm. And I can't let you walk away without me telling you that and informing you of information that I know God has put in me to say. You know, so I've learned as a coach, like I can't miss those moments in my interactions, whether I'm at the store coaching or in just sitting in my car, get out of my neighbor is out and in the driveway. So that what that's what it is for me. Mm-hmm. I, I would say coaching probably taught me mm-hmm. uh, biggest thing is just being able to use those experiences that that I was blessed with the good and the bad to help somebody else. I think when I first got into coaching, you know, I was like, oh, it's going to be all about helping people win, be elite athletes. Mm -hmm. And that has been a huge part of my journey in coaching. But um, I would say probably the most impactful part was those those times of, 
you know, going through adversity or being told something by my coach that, you know, I didn't necessarily agree with, but I still had to reconcile that in my mind and uh, figure out how to still be productive. And I have found that over the years, more players struggle with the adversities of the sport of playing and through coaching, I get to kind of share with them, listen, I've had a lot of success. I've also had a lot of failure. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you about the time I failed. Right. This is what I did. And this is what you can learn from it. And I've seen so many more people be blessed by sharing those adversities and kind of how I overcame them. Um, and so I just see that God uses even that, you know, not just the winning, but the losing too. And um, just life lessons that benefit other people. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to keep going back to Michael, but y'all remember that commercial back in the day where he was walking in the tunnel with the bad suit. You remember he, he used to dress yeah. in the yeah. And uh, <laughs> the voiceover of the commercial was like, you guys remember me for all my, pretty much my all my game-winning shots. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Nobody remembered. And he pretty much, if I remember correctly, he gave the stats of how many game-winning shots he hit versus how many game-winning shots he's missed. But he was right. like, y'all only right. remember me for this. But that's the beauty of what he did, you know. A lot of players do now. Like they're not afraid to continue to shoot, but they look at every missed shot as a lesson. Yes, yes. And I think that's what we need to do in life. We all have goals. We all have aspirations. Uh, in sports, in careers, in family, in marriage. Yeah. And yeah. not everything's going to work out. But what can right. we learn? You learn more from the losses than you do from the wins to try to yes. mitigate the amount of losses. You don't want to keep yes. losing. That's, <laughs> we don't want to lose. That's <laughs> it. But we are going to lose. We don't want to. You don't play to lose. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> but yeah. what can you learn from that loss? So this kind of transition we're talking about winning, we're talking about losing. What does winning mean to you guys? Like what is the definition of winning? And that's a very powerful question because some people are like, hey, we have more points on the board than them. Or if it's golf. Less numbers, on them, but, <laughs> but like, what does winning truly mean when it comes to the grand scheme of life? Oh, I mean, me personally, I think it's being able not just to, you know, win from a point standpoint, but also being able to, you know, have a game plan, execute the game plan, mm -hmm. make adjustments because that's a huge part of of winning is making adjustments. Yeah. And then also, like, you know, some people you can have 30 points more than the other team and you just don't know how to win. And so next thing you know, you're up by 30, but then they're coming back mm -hmm. because you've kicked it in the neutral. Yeah. You don't understand really how to win. So I would more so define it as kind of having some type of a game plan going in because I believe that without vision, people perish. Amen. And then, um, you know, executing whatever that game plan might be but being flexible and aware enough to make those adjustments, to communicate, to problem solve, you know, getting to whatever it is your goal might be and then reassessing and trying to figure out, you know, what's next. Mm -hmm. I think for me, coaching was my what's next. When my playing days came to an end, it was my what's next. And, you know, even after coaching, you know, I don't know what's going to be, you know, next <laughs> after that, but I do yeah. see purpose in in this, and I see purpose in him having us, you know, run a business and, and pouring into people on weekends for just one and two day camps, but then mm -hmm. also being able to coach 
and have that relationship over a year. So for me, winning is is that and and keeping relationships at the forefront of everything that we do because I believe relationships matter. Mm-hmm. And I think when I was a player, I didn't care about relationships. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I right. cared about getting that done. Yeah. Right. As, as a coach, you know, I have learned that that's a side of me that when I see it in other people, I definitely try to, you know, talk to them about, hey, at some point, yeah, at some point, I know you're competitive, you know, and I'm with right. you, I, I see you, but right. at some point, you're going to need people. And so you got to really focus in on how you treat them and building relationships. So to me, winning would be just that, having a game plan, executing it, keeping relationships at the forefront. And um, if you're up, stay up. If you're down, get up. Don't give up and quit. That's good. That's good. The only thing I would, I mean, mine would be similar (laughs) to Bernita's, but I would add uh, when you can get to the point that you can develop your own definition of success, Mm. that's what's winning is. Because, mm. um, you know, winning to everybody looks different. Success mm-hmm. to everybody is different. You know what I mean? Hey, sometimes maybe you just learned how to tie your shoe and you've been wanting to try to tie your shoe for years and you just learned that's a success. Right. You know what I mean? Hopefully like, it didn't take success. years, you know. I'm hoping it yeah. <laughs> 20 years old, still you know, trying to figure so, out how to tie a shoe. Exactly. (laughs) You'd be like, yes, I got it. Finally. Finally. (laughs) You know, but when you can define your own definition of what success is for you, Mm -hmm. I think that is winning. Just to add on everything that Bernita said, which I agree with. Um, So that's what it is to me, man. What what is your definition of success? Because success can be, I mean, we, 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 we define it most of the time with stuff we see with our eyes. Oh, you got a Bentley. Oh, you must be successful. <laughs> well, what if I only got a Toyota that's about to be on this last wheel, but yet I just helped this homeless person um, figure out that yes, they are matter. You know, they, they are special and they do matter and God has a plan for their life. Mm-hmm. You know, success. Mm-hmm. And then that person goes on and, and you know, you see their fruit blossom and be be well and be good, you know, that's success. So that's what I, that's what I mean by if, when you get to the point where you can, you know, identify and bring up your own definition of that. And that's crazy. Cause when you were talking about, you know, helping somebody that's homeless that you might not ever see again in your life, but yeah. you know, the fruit, the, the fruit of being able to help either water a seed or plant a seed and yeah. yet, right. and you leave, but you never see the tree. But, yeah, you know, in your heart, you're like, you know, I did what I was supposed to do in that moment at that time. And then you move on to the next one. And yeah, no, that's those are awesome points, y'all. So I you know what? This is very edifying. This has been a great, great conversation. And how can they get in touch with you? How can they get the book? How can they go listen to the episodes of the podcast that you guys have done? And where can they connect with y'all? How can they register for the camps? Exactly. <laughs> well, for the camps, basketball-wise, if you go to, I mean, you anybody can get on Google and you can look at High School All-American Showcase. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll come up. They always, uh, there'll be two links on there. You can always click on 
just to showcase and see all of their dates. They book dates all the way in a year in advance oh, wow. okay. uh, with the cities and times, even locations, everything. Same thing for the camps. The camps are usually June, July, um, first part of August. The showcases are year-round. Mm-hmm. They do spring, summer, and fall, winter showcases. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another uh, point where they do some of the camps are always at the end of December as well because they do what they call winter camp. So you can find them there. As far as the book goes, hey, Amazon, Amazon, we are currently all sold out of the inventory wow. that we had as far as the books. <laughs> we sold out, man. Uh, earlier this spring, we actually sold out the rest of the inventory that we had here at home. So everybody's been going to buy it on Amazon now. So go buy the book on Amazon. As far as our podcast go, again, you can look us up with Coffee with KBJ or even Hoops with KBJ on Amazon because Amazon is also podcasting now. Yep. So we're on there. iHeartRadio, Apple. Uh, we all on that. Spotify and Pandora. You know, so all of your pretty much uh, social feeds that you can find podcasts, we are at. Again, that's Coffee with KBJ and Hoots with KBJ. And uh, yeah, and our email address, KBJ Academy <laughs> at gmail.com. You, you know, hit us up, email us. There or you can go, go to our website too, yeah. kbjacademy.com. We're all over social media Instagram, mm-hmm. Twitter, Facebook, yes. KBJ underscore Academy. So connect with us, Richard. You can DM us. We be checking the little DM. <laughs> yeah. um, but our website, our website is going to have, you know, all of our services, yeah. everything that we're doing. We got a nice little blog on there as well. So definitely go check out the website, kbjacademy.com. And I'm telling you guys, they are the truth. I've been to one of their camps and I'll tell you, (laughs) you know, my days were over and I was like, man, let me go to the car. Let me get these. Let me go get these shorts and some kicks and go. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Warm these knees up. Right, well, right. Let me do a couple yeah. of laps over yeah, around yeah. this gym real quick. And then, you know. <laughs> so I, I never forget your expression on your face when you, you walk in that gym. Like, <laughs> I was like, wait, hold on. It was like, what is going on in here? Like, <laughs> it, it, was, it was a combination of awe and that feeling when you like, you you just feel it. And it, I went from being there to help y'all to, oh, uh, somebody about to get it. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no, they probably about to get me. My days are over. <laughs> but yes, y'all, when I say the environment, when I say the coaching, when I say their attention to detail, those camps are like no other. Um, so definitely check them out. Find out where they are. Get your son, get your daughter. Is you boys and girls? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. but get your yes. sons, get yes. your daughters yes. registered. I'm telling you, it's an investment that is going to yield multiple times over. So thank you guys for your time. I appreciate you. I appreciate yes. everything you Thanks guys are doing. Us. Yes. And also we cannot forget to congratulate Bernita. She is now the head coach at a college university at what out in Fort Worth area? Yes, Texas Wesleyan University in Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, hey, they doing big things, y'all. And this is a true <laughs> testament to being obedient to God, to working together as a team. 
not just a two-stranded cord, but a three-stranded cord where you got a husband and a wife and God working together and, and then steps, you know, stepping. Guys, you guys inspire me. You know how we do over here. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I appreciate you guys. I appreciate everything you do. So thank you guys. Make sure you guys check KBJ out and I will talk to you next week. If you're ready to build your body and strengthen your faith, visit Divine Design Fitness to receive your free home full body workout. And if you like this episode, make sure to subscribe to the Muscles and Medicine podcast wherever you consume your podcast. All right, guys, get fit, stay blessed. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.